You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Giant Splash. I'm Henry Schulman, the Giants beat reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle, and my guest today is a San Francisco original, Giants hitting coach Alonzo Powell, a graduate of Lincoln High School. In this episode, Powell talks about his background, his health after treating prostate cancer, and on the field, how this Giants have gone from one of the weakest hitting teams in the majors to one that scored 114 runs over a recent 12-game stretch. We'll get to that right after this. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Henry Shulman with the Chronicle, back with Giants hitting coach Alonzo Powell. And Alonzo, you are true San Franciscan. I mean, uh, Lincoln High School, uh, grew up here, went to Candlestick as a kid. Uh, just first of all, what's it been like to be back here now for two years? Well, no, it's been wonderful, you know, getting a chance to work in a place that I grew up, uh, you know, a place that I really respect, you know, organization that gave me my first start in professional baseball. You know, it's been been unbelievable. You were an undrafted free agent, as they say in the uh, in the NFL, weren't you? Yeah, you know, undrafted free agent. There was a couple circumstances behind it. You know, I had some offers to go play um, college baseball. I was going to go to City College, but then I had the opportunity to sign. We found a loophole in the rules, and at the time, you know, I looked at it as my probably my best option because uh, Jim Lefevre actually ended up signing me along with Marty Demerit. And I knew as long as those guys were around that, you know, I would probably be around for a couple of years. But, you know, I was in for a rude awakening, you know, my first couple of years, you know, I struggled. At Clinton, Iowa, right? Yeah, I started off from, uh, you know, San Francisco, city boy to Clinton, Iowa. And I'm like, <laughs> man, what am I getting myself into? Yeah, it's a little bit different. Yeah, a little, a little bit different. You know, I called my grandmother. And I'm like, they don't have any big buildings, Mom. You know, and she says, don't worry. You know, things will be all right. You know, you keep, le- you know, learning and getting better. And, you know, eventually you'll get to where you want to get to. I just, uh, I didn't even know this, but I was looking up your transaction. I didn't realize that Bill Lasky came here and you were traded for him. Yes. You know, we talk about it all the time. I see Bill here a lot, uh, run into him a lot. And, uh, you know, I thank him every day for, uh, coming back to San Francisco, getting me traded to Montreal, and, you know, and that's where my career took off. But, uh, you know, we give each other a hard time about it. Yeah, and then you did play in Japan as well um, for a while, didn't you? Yes, you know, I went to Japan for uh, seven years. You know, it was, it was great. You know, I had a wonderful opportunity over there. I went when I was 26 years old. I was still young, you know, and I had some success. You know, ended up there seven years, and, uh, you know, I learned a lot about, you know, the game. You know, I learned a lot about myself over there. And, you know, and I think that's helped me eventually, you know, getting into coaching, 
you know, I learned how to study a lot of video over there and, you know, learn some things. And, you know, and I think that's helped me overall. And, uh, you know, it was an honor to play in Japan. You know, I still go back usually once a year, go see some friends over there or do some camps. So, you know, it's been been great. Now, can, can you and Hensley Mullins actually sustain a conversation in Japanese? Oh, yeah. No, we can have a conversation in, in Japanese. You know, we tease uh, Tar, Tyra and uh, Haru, our massage therapists, and uh, Yo, you know, a couple of the guys here that do speak Japanese. You know, they're surprised uh, on the Japanese that we know. I, I mean, I was there seven years, so oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I figured I better learn a little bit. Yeah, someplace I'd always like to go. And uh, right, right before we get back into hitting, just on a personal note, I want to ask if you're feeling okay, uh, if everything's all right. I, I think it was public knowledge that you had uh, a fight with uh, prostate cancer. And, in fact, uh, you went through 40, I believe, radiation treatments. And after your 40th in spring training, uh, you actually got a round of applause from the from the guys in the clubhouse, didn't you? Yeah, you know, it, it was awesome. You know, I, I tried to keep – majority of it quiet about what I was going through, you know, and, you know, Pablo was one of the ones that was really upset at me because like, I didn't even know, you know, the spring training of uh, 18, he didn't know until we got here that I had it. He says, how come you didn't tell anybody? I'm like, Pablo, you know, my job is to coach you guys, not to tell you what's going on wrong with me, but, you know, the, the team, the organization has been very supportive. You know, I got through the uh, 40 sessions of radiation in spring. Uh, had another update, and I like to say it was the middle of June, and so far everything is clear right now. So let's pray that it stays that way. I have another checkup in uh, October, but I feel good. You know, life is good, and you know now I got to concentrate on helping my guys get better. Well, that's great to hear. And, sp- and speaking of that, uh, you become an awfully smart hitting coach in about the last six weeks, haven't you? Well, you know, it, it's a part of the job. You know, it's you know I've always looked at it as when the players play well, you got great players. When the team doesn't hit, the hitting coach doesn't know anything. You know, right. you know myself. You know Rick. You know the players. You know we work hard. You know it's it's not easy, but you know we work hard. You know to the our guys' credit. You know they we've turned the page since about I would like to say in my opinion June fifteenth. We've kind of took take, taken off since then, and uh, the guys are, are playing better. Better. We're getting big hits. You know driving in runs and. You know, I, I joke with the guys all the time. You know, we're still undefeated when we score more than they do. <laughs> yeah, and you've scored a lot of 10 runs, uh, I think 114 runs in 12 games toward the end of the trip. Um, you know, I've always looked at hitting when a team hits better. I always look at it because I watch the, the guys work. It's really a bunch of individual uh, battles. Uh, uh, battle might not be the right word, but, you know, uh, individuals who are trying to get better, working hard every day with their coaches, with video, in the cage. Um, um, so it's kind of hard for me to maybe compre- comprehend uh, how it's just all of a sudden from a team standpoint, all of a sudden you could uh, go from where you were to, to where you are now. Is there anything about it maybe beyond just the individual uh, struggles of the guys that you can point to? Well, you know, I, I would like to say, you know, I think Dixon coming gave us a big shot in the arm. You know, he came in right away, got some big hits. And, uh, you know, it's, hitting's contagious. You know, guys start, a couple guys start playing well. You know, other guys start playing well. And then you, instead of doing it yourself, you just tell yourself, hey, I need to do my part, keep the train moving, so to say. And uh, then things start to get on a roll. And, you know, I kind of look at it that way. But, you know, Buster's been playing well. You know, Craw's been playing well. You know, Pablo's been um, doing well all year. You know, Longo was, was doing really well before he got hurt. You know, Yaz coming up. You know, Dickerson coming up. You know, 
the whole whole all the way through. You know, everybody's contributed and got some big hits. You know, voter off the bench. Um, you know, who am I missing here? You know, Panic has had his, his his times where he's gotten some hits. So, you know, it's been a team effort. Been, don't forget Donovan Solano. You know, Donovan Solano has been unbelievable uh, in the role that he's playing. And, uh, you know, it's been a team contribution, and it's good to, to go out there and, and see the guys play well. Now, um, one of the things that uh, occasionally we've talked to a pitcher and we've asked them, you know, about adjustments they made. And they, of course, they, they talk about working with Kurt and, and talk about working with Matt, uh, the, their pitching coaches. But on occasion, they've also said, you know, one of the uh, there are two guys who travel with you who are analysts, uh, statistical analysts, uh, video analysts. And, and occasionally they'll say, you know, one of those guys actually pointed something out to me. Uh, a good example is Tyler Beatty, who said that a, a, one of the analysts gave him a, a piece of paper that showed that when he he uh, throws his fastball up in the zone. He has a, an opponent's batting average in the 200s. When he throws it down in the zone, 400s. That's just one example. I'm just wondering if if those guys have helped uh, you at all uh, in, in sort of recognizing trends that you might not see with your eyes. Well, you know, it, it's a group effort. You know, I'm, I'm very familiar with a lot of the analytics stuff from being in Houston. You know, we're, we're constantly in dialogue every day, you know, talking about different trends, different things that we see. You know, we pass that information along to the players, and we all kind of all kind of work together. But no, you're exactly right. You know, there there's certain things that we will see, we'll present it to the player, and then uh, you know we'll make an adjustment from there. Okay, um, and just to uh, remind the the listeners to the podcast, you were the assistant hitting coach in Houston for the 2017 World Series champion Astros, as I recall. That no, that's exactly right. You know, we had you know good great year. You know, great players over there. And, uh, you know, they do a great job in Houston mixing, you know, the talent along with the analytics. You know, obviously you need good players, you know, to go out there and, and execute the plans. And, uh, you know, and that's what we're doing here. So hopefully we can grow um, a lot more in that area, which which we're doing. You know, uh, you came from a team that had a lot of excellent younger players, uh, even even guys who have been there around a while, you know, like Correa and Altuve, uh, you know, Springer. It was it's still definitely, you know, generally a younger team. You came here to a, to a more veteran team at a time when the game was changing with um, more and more pitchers throwing in the, in the high 90s, where the uppercut became, you know, important, uh, again, with launch angle and stuff like that. And I'm just wondering if it's it more of a challenge when you have guys like uh, Crawford and Belt and Posey and Longoria who, um, you know, have been hitting a certain way. They're, it's not like they just came up in the minors where some of these things were introduced to them. They've been hurting, hitting a certain way for 20 years, 25 years since they were kids. Does that pose a special challenge? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say a, a special challenge, but, you know, you, you establish yourself in the major leagues because you've done things a certain way. And it's, it's a little bit difficult to change. But in order to keep progressing and to keep getting better at this game, you do have to make small changes in your game. You know, to our guys' credit here, you know, guys have uh, dug into the analytics. You know, they've dug into making minor changes. And I think all of that, you know, a combination of all of that is one reason why we're, we're playing a lot better right now. Well, analytics aside, I mean, uh, we are seeing a lot of uh, guys throw hard, a lot of guys throwing hard up because it is harder to stay on top of a fastball that's coming at you at 95, 96 miles an hour at the at the high end of the zone. And just, you know, facts of life, your reaction time at 32 is not going to be the same and your maybe your eye eyesight and reaction time is not going to be the same at 32 as it was at, at, at 25. I mean, is there a built-in, uh, you know, kind of disadvantage for older players? 
players, um, you know, just the way the game has changed? You know, I wouldn't, I don't say it's a disadvantage, you know, because as you get older, you get a lot smarter. You know, you've, you've seen things before and you do have the ability to make, again, minor corrections in, in at bat in, in between pitches, which is to the veterans' advantage. You know, now if you have the unwillingness to change, that's going to affect you. Okay. And uh, I'd like just to ask you about a couple of individual guys. No no huge secrets, just maybe one general thing, uh, one or two general things that uh, that have helped. Uh, and I mean, I start with Longoria. I mean, this thing really, really got rolling when he had that great series in San Diego. He hit five home runs uh, in San Diego. Um, and, uh, you know, he he actually told us that uh, he was going into the cage and trying different things every day, seeing seeing what would stick. Um, what do you think was the key for him? Well, you know, I think uh, with Longo, you know, he started getting the ball a little closer to him, uh, take advantage of uh, some pull sight power, you know, which is a little bit of a, you know, he's been a right center hitter a majority of his career in Tampa. You know, now you come here, right center, triples alley, not to your advantage to, to hit the ball in right center field. Those balls get ran down here in San Francisco. But I thought he did a great job in, in, in San Diego, you know, getting the ball a little bit closer to him, taking advantage of those pitches and, and getting the ball in the air to the pull side. And he wasn't cheating. No, he wasn't cheating. You know, he stayed within his natural swing. And, you know, Longo is, is, is a really good player, you know, and he found something that he liked. You know, he stuck with it. And, uh, you know, he was playing well up until he uh, hurt his foot. Right. Uh, Brandon Crawford, who really had struggled for most of the year and, and all of a sudden started hitting. Uh, Bruce Bochy had said that, uh, you know, that he, he the way he was hitting, he was sort of pinching himself off a little bit, uh, maybe unable to reach some of the pitches uh, away or, or identify them. Uh, what, what's been the difference with him? Well, I think, you know, the biggest thing with, with uh, Craw is uh, swinging at strikes. You know, as his direction got off a little bit, he cleaned up his direction. You know, it's a little similar to last year. Uh, seven or 18. You know, he got off to the slow start, uh, get cleaned up his direction, and he caught fire. And by the All Star break, you know, he was one of the best hitters in the in the National League, and to end up having a little bit of a knee issue at the end of last year. But you know, he's back to where he was last year. You know, he's hitting the ball all over the field. You know, his timing's good, his direction's good. You know, and Krause is a, one of the, for me, you know, one of the better hitting shortstops in, in, in our league. And it's just a matter of him being consistent. You know, uh, with Buster, he, he has actually barreled some more balls lately. I think that that's, that's clear. Uh, he uh, was going to need some time to come back from the, the hip surgery. It was not going to be overnight. I think people had expected that by now he might be a little more consistent than he has. Um, is, there, is there anything that you've seen uh, with, with Buster, uh, you know, that, that maybe has held him back a little bit no you know i think you know anytime you get hurt you're unsure you you don't know how healthy you really are until you get out there and you start competing i know from past experience when you know i was hurt you know you're never really sure how healthy you are you know i think buster really understands now that he's healthy and i think the last two months you know we've seen you know buster play well you know he's got some big hits for us he's driving the ball you know i was really impressed with the the ball he drove yesterday in the triples alley about 420 feet you know unfortunately here you get a double but it's a home run and uh, 99 other 99 percent of the other ballpark i think he would have gotten a triple out of that one if it didn't hadn't bounced in the stands i think he was going for three wasn't he that, that's true you know and yeah. that, you know once you get a ball out there you know you can cruise in the third but you know buster's a professional you know he works hard every day and uh you know hopefully he can keep his swing where it is right now. 
Okay. Um, you know, uh, Mike Yastrzemski uh, came up with an incredible knowledge of the strike zone. You're impressed with that from day one. I mean, he's been in the minors for six years, so so he, he's had a lot of education in it. But he's taken a step up, not just in, in drawing walks and, and building hitters' counts, but taking advantage of those hitters' counts uh, and getting some big hits. What, what have you seen with him? What have you worked with him on? Well, you know, Mike's a very smart kid, you know, great history of the game. Uh, you know, went to a, a really good school, Vanderbilt, that's produced some good players. You know, he has a great knowledge of the strike zone. You know, I think he's he's taking advantage of the pitches that he's getting. You know, he's uh, you know middle to low ball hitter. You know, he gets the ball in that area. You know, he's aggressive. You know, he's got power to both sides of the field. You know, left field, you know, center field, and right field. And uh, you know, he's been getting a good part of the battle on the ball. You know, he's been driving the ball, and he's been uh, a big contributor to our, our hot streak. And uh, Dickerson, I mean, he's obviously he's got like a 1,200 OPS or something in the short time that he's been here. Uh, you saw him. I mean, you probably have seen him before this year, but, I mean, you saw him come up and start hitting right away. What were your impressions? Well, you know, I had a history with Alex in San Diego when I worked for the Padres. Right. So I knew about Alex. I knew what type of player he, he is. And uh, when we acquired him and brought him up, you know, I was really happy for Alex to, you know, have an opportunity to play. You know, the only concern with Alex has been being on the field, being healthy. You know, he's had some injuries, but when he's healthy, you know, he's a feared hitter. <clears throat> he's very smart, you know, for a, a guy that slugs, you know, he doesn't strike out a lot. You know, he puts the ball in play. He uses the field. You know, he can hit multiple pitches. You know, and again, I think he's been a you know a big shot in the arm for us to to get us where we're at right now. Okay, a couple of guys, uh, maybe a little bit on the other side. Joe Panic just really hasn't been able to get it together. What is it that he needs to do that you know made him such a good hitter in years past? Well, you know, I think just Joey's just been a little bit inconsistent. You know, there's there's been a few um, ground balls to the pull side where you know he's more of a line drive hitter and. You know, just, you know, I think he's just a little bit off with his rhythm. And, you know, he's shown some flashes where he gets his rhythm and he's starting to hit the ball well. You know, it's just a matter of being consistent with Joey. And, uh, you know, he'll, he'll get it going because he's too good of a player not to struggle the whole year. He'll, he'll get it going for us and, and be a contributor for us. And also. there's really not much complex complexity to his swing, is there? No, it's a very simple swing, short swing, you know, great knowledge of the strike zone. And, you know, and a little bit to his defense, I think, you know, I looked at a stat a couple of weeks ago. So he's had the most strikes called that are balls in baseball strikes, this year yeah. that are not strikes. And that changes his game. And now that might get you out of the zone a little bit at times. So, you know, so that might have a little bit to do with the two. Okay. I wanted to ask about Brandon Belt. I mean, he seems to have taken his knowledge of the strike zone, which was always fantastic. And he seems to have taken it to another level this year. He's not uh, striking out as much on those borderline pitches that, you know, sometimes the you know, the umpire ends up making the decision on whether he's safe or out, um, even if he has, even if Brandon has the right read. Lately, uh, you know, it seems like he has been hitting the ball in the air a lot, but uh, maybe a launch angle a little bit too high. Um, you know, he has hit, had some big hits, uh, some doubles, a couple of home runs, but uh, it's, it, he just seems like a tick off in terms of those balls that are going into the year how, how does he work uh, to kind of adjust adjust to that well i think it's got to be more of a line drive approach than a fly ball approach because you know he's as strong as anybody that we have on the team um you know again like you said he has a great knowledge of the strike zone you know he reminds me i had Votto as a as a young player in a ball and you know those guys they have a unbelievable awareness of the strike zone and it's just more him 
line drives instead of fly balls. His line drives usually get out of the park. And right now, it's just, just missing the ball enough to, to get in the air where he's not getting through the ball to hit it just a little bit harder so it'll go a little bit is there th- Is there something you can do? Uh, is there an adjustment that you can physically make to uh, maybe get more line drive action? Or is it just a matter of uh, just uh, – not being off it's just a matter of not being off you know the you know brandon you know belt you know he has the you know he has that stroke you know he has a line drive stroke and it's just a matter of getting through the ball instead of getting a little bit underneath the ball okay um and uh just in general uh, obviously looking at the stats you're still you know probably bottom three in the majors in some of these statistics like ops ops plus uh, batting average and thing like that but lo and behold you're 21st in the league in runs uh if i look at those numbers together what that's telling me is that um you're getting a lot of clutch hits i mean the hits that you're getting uh more than they were in the past are, are counting um there's been there's a huge debate in in baseball about whether there is such a thing as a clutch hitter i mean you look at kevin pilar he's hitting 230 but he's got 51 rbis now some of that's opportunity um there, it's the sabermetric article uh, uh, argument versus the old argument that you really can't teach clutch. What? How do you fall on that? Well, no, you can't teach clutch, and it is a art. It is a stat. You know, you do need clutch hitters. You know, at our ballpark, our division, you know, we're never going to be in the top in OPS, never going to be in the top in home runs, probably never going to be in the top in run score. But, you know, we're going to play a lot of 3-2 games, a lot of 2-1, a lot of 4-3 games. So you do need that big hit. And for the last month and a half, you know, we've been getting some of those big hits. Right. And, you know, uh, just lastly here, I mean, you scored 62 runs in seven games in two ballparks that were built for hitting. Uh, you came back, and I, I think it was 11 runs in four games. Now, part of that is you faced Syndergaard and DeGrom uh, and Mats, who were all all very good pitchers. But, um, you know, it, when you come home from a road trip and you, you know – uh, psychologically that it, it's probably not going to be um, as easy as it was on the road uh, because a lot of balls just don't don't fly out a lot of the ball you know the wind is not as windy and all that is there something that you talk to hitters maybe not every home stand but when you you know you come back uh, uh, occasionally or are you talking to them in hitters meetings about uh, you know uh, uh, about the differences in the ballpark and maybe not getting down as much when uh, things don't go your way oh yeah no you know no no doubt about it we addressed it you know we've talked about it in spring you know a couple of our goals this year were to be better on the road you know take advantage of some of the ballparks that are conducive for hitting and now conversely when you come home don't let this ballpark get to you. Keep playing baseball. Keep hitting the ball hard, and you know try not to let it affect you. Yes, it's going to affect you, but you know you, the other team has to play here too, and you, we just got to do our job and keep grinding, keep fighting to get those big hits to help us win games. Yeah, just as a follow up to that, I mean, what you mentioned. I mean, Bochi talked about this all the time. You'd go to Coors Field, you'd go to Cincinnati, you'd go to Milwaukee, and you wouldn't score. This year, you're destroying those ballparks. What's the difference? Well, I think it's a little bit of a mindset, you know. Uh, Again, we were aware of it. It's something we talked about in the spring because last year we went to those places and didn't play well. You know, this year we've went to those places and and played well. And so now we can hold serve at home and play well on the road. You know, that's going to keep us in the race. All right. And with that with that great tennis illusion right after uh, Wimbledon and French Open and whatnot, I want to thank you, Alonzo Powell, for taking the time to be on the Giant Splash podcast. Appreciate it. Thank you, Henry. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Giant Splash. Be sure to look out for more podcasts as the July 31st trade deadline nears. Giants Double Play is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is editor in chief. 
If you like this show, please subscribe, tell a friend, or give us a review. You can support Giants Double Play and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to The Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. You can find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe. If you want to find me on Twitter, I am at Hank Shulman, or you can email me at hshulman at sfchronicle.com. 